You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello, welcome to our podcast, Sid Talk. Thanks. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have a podcast and we're doing it right now. So what is your before? What what were you talking about? Oh, don't even <laughs> what was it? You were reading reviews of this movie. I do that every week. In a particular, yeah, but this time you were using a particular voice for the reviews, which made me laugh. Yeah, every very, week. Very um, hard. <laughs> when I've finished watching a movie, one of the things that always entertains me is going to IMDb and reading the user reviews of movies. Because I find, I said to you, oh, this movie, after watching this movie today, I thought, well, it won't be a load of bad reviews for this movie, surely not. But it generally is bad <laughs> reviews only. Like It's like anybody who likes the movie doesn't say anything, and the people who detest the movie decide to write down their thoughts. So be, be forewarned when you go to read reviews, and then you go, wow, everybody hates this movie. No, 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 no. No. The people who made the effort to go out and say they hated it, and often, like when we like a movie, if we didn't write a re- do a podcast, we wouldn't probably put it out there either. I wouldn't. Anyway. I think. I think maybe I would kind of no. Unless, hmm, that's yeah. a, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe oh, I would. I maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so your voice doing these reviews is hilarious, and hopefully you'll do a bit for everyone later. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Maybe later I will uh, read you some IMDb reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's really I, funny. And I said to you, I probably, when I'm on mic and I have to re- read the reviews in that funny voice, I probably won't be able to do it for laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it is Saturday, February the 16th. This is after the show. Number 569. We're a movie review podcast. We review movies every single week. And this Only week, in our normal voices. Yes. This week we're reviewing the movie Widows. It's a 2018 movie. You can pick this up on Blu-ray, 4K, streaming services now. It comes from Fox, who sent us a copy for review. It's rated R, and Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of the movie, Widows. Dead husbands equal widows. (laughs) Is that, I mean, no disrespect to any widows out there, but... I just think it's kind of self-explanatory. Some criminal guys die and their li- wives are left behind and criminals. Yeah. There's pretty... my synopsis for you. <laughs> so um, I, this is based, um, the actual widow's story has been around for a while. In the 1980s in the UK, there was a TV miniseries called Widows by Linda LaPlante. She's a famous, she write a lot of crime thriller sort of stuff. And then there was an American remake of it, and now a movie version of it, which, looking at the original plot, it's similar, but they've modernized this one. They've, mm. they've added a lot of our time kind of problems that the world is having right now into this one. So, with that, let's talk about Widows. So, um... Were you anticipating Widows? Did you see the trailer for Widows? Do you know anything about it? I think we saw a trailer, and 
I don't remember being too interested. And then when you said we're doing this movie, I wasn't that interested because I wasn't a huge fan of Ocean's 8, even though it was fine. It was fun, kind of. But I was like, oh, let's hope it's not that. So whenever I go into a movie with that attitude, it's not good. I admit it. I shouldn't go into any movie with expectations. You did I... say to me last week, oh, it's like that Ocean's 8 thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I shouldn't do that. Sometimes it's automatic. I have no control. It just is like an instant thing where I'm not interested in the story of it anyway. And so then I get a vibe and then I'm... But watching it, had a good time. I will 100% admit to all plot holes, flaws, things skip to certain conclusions really quickly. I'm not convinced of the abilities of the any of the people. And I mean any of these people on any level. In what um, way? Like... The women, I mean, the women doing the thing, the oh, widows, right, right. the widows doing what they're doing, taking over sort of the crumb, the crime um, plans of the dead husbands. I have no reason to believe they're capable of these things. They're not giving me any reasons except to try to convince me they're just strong, desperate women, which is fine. But again, doesn't convince me. However, that does not cover that doesn't make me dislike the whole of it. Because it looks amazing. There are shots in this movie I just love looking at. And I feel like it really told individual people's emotions well. Even though it's a bit flimsy, you know. There's some very good acting in this movie. I think so. I think some really good moments. And a lot of it's quiet. A lot of it is not highly paced. Which is what some of of those reviews you read. Most of those reviews (laughs) said it was boring. What did that one guy say in two sentences? That it was slow three times? He, yeah, took the, he, he took the time yeah. to go on IMDb and write a three-sentence review in which he said three times how slow it was. Yeah. I mean, what so else slow. does that guy have to do with his time? Probably how how important movies. is he? And go write dumb reviews. So yeah. I'll leave that there. But I feel like the pacing was to tell me more about these people who, as in most crime kind of stories, are two-dimensional, you know? You Actually, got, um, the pacing, uh, when we talk about that, it was only two hours, this movie. It wasn't a super long movie. Suspiria yeah. was two and a half hours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Suspiria. It is not like Suspiria. I don't think two hours is actually a long movie, so... No. I mean, it depends. I Obviously, mean, if you're hating it... I mean, have... it's not die hard. It's not full of action all the time. It does have a lot, though. That's why I think it's really weird that people say nothing happens. It's like something's happening almost all the time. Yeah. But I can't get in their minds. So, like, some spoilers here, there will be. So, if you've not seen it, go and see it, come back. If you don't care, carry on listening. Yeah. But spoiler warning, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, so, like you just like you just said, there is a um, heist going on at the beginning of the movie with the men. The men die during the heist. The women... Why do the women pick up the plot? Pick up, why do they decide to be criminals? Because the uh, Taken guy, yes, <laughs> as we all know who he is, um, has stolen the heist in the beginning is to steal a bunch of money from another criminal in town and they want their money back and they don't care who gets it to them. They tell the wives, or one wife, that she's responsible and therefore she's now desperate because they'll just kill her if she doesn't pay them, which... It's kind of flimsy. I think that's a flimsy thing because she's got nothing to lose except she could just leave. Right. 
Right, she's got nothing. I mean, he, he does, the guy does tell her, you live in this fancy apartment, you got a fancy car, just liquidize it all and pay us the money, right? Yeah, and also... She, she could have done that. She could also just leave. Yeah. And go away. She, well, she doesn't talk about... Yeah, but she never talks about how... No one ever says that, and she doesn't talk about how she's desperate to stay in Chicago or anything. So that could have been the first... That would have been a normal person's reaction. True. All right. But no, she chooses to go along with this. And then you're, I think you're supposed to pick up on this vibe of like, well, if the husbands can do it, these women can do it. Right. What's, right. What puts women above this life of crime, which is a fair question, but it just was too flimsy. I had no reason to believe she would, they gave us nothing about her. Some scenes of flashbacks with them laying in bed and a little cozy. And then of course their backstory, but it's not like a lovey-dovey story or anything. It's not like she's out to avenge his death or make things right or like take over his business. There's none of that. It's just this weird, desperate, like... They told me I owed the money, and now I have to pay it. And, and also, that just seemed really weak. However, I like Viola Davis, except when she lets a snot run out of her nose, which she seems to do all the time. And I liked all the other women. I even liked Michelle Rodriguez, who I don't normally particularly am a fan of. I just felt like it was well done. It is really well. Even if it's flimsy. Uh, and the, the script is um, actually by um, Gillian... Flynn? Is that mm-hmm. her name? The lady who did Sharp Objects. And... I think I'd call her Gillian, but I think yeah, her name's Gillian. Gillian. Is it Gillian or Gillian? I don't know. I don't know. I've always heard it said Gillian, but these people on this movie said Gillian. Yeah. So, um, But she did Gone Girl and Sharp Objects, which was on HBO with Amy Adams, which was excellent. So she yeah. did the, she did the um, script here. Um, and I thought the script was really good, actually. I thought the dialogue between people was good. Um, There is one scene that is like a powerhouse scene in this movie. And it's between Colin Farrell and Robert Duvall. Oh, God, yeah. And I think it's one of the best moments I've seen Robert Duvall. And Robert Duvall is an excellent actor. But I was like, wow, he felt that. Like, it was that was an acting. I felt like Colin Farrell, actually. Both of them, yeah. I was like, whoa. I was actually shaken by this. It felt like an acting moment where they they would have like turned to each other and gone because we have to put this in context okay we have like three different things going on here we have the women who are the widows of the criminals the criminals probably are just paid thugs or kind of working for whoever the big dogs in town are or for themselves right so right the big dogs in town are the guy who is the alderman for the district 18th district or whatever it's called in Chicago. And then there is an African-American gentleman who lives in this area and who is sort of a, what you have to piece it together, but he's obviously part of a crime family also in charge. Right. Uh-huh. And he's now running against Robert Duvall's son, who is Colin Farrell as you know, cause they've been in charge of this place for like 60 years or something. So there you've got that going on. And then you've got this group of criminals who stole money from one of these big dogs for the other big dog. Right. And that's a problem because the election and who's going to win the election, obviously whoever wins gets to make be more. And they're both shady. Nobody's good. The African-American guy is a total asshole and so is the white Colin Firth Irish Heritage guy. They're all horrible. Yeah, they totally are. <laughs> yeah, there's no, like, you root for somebody. The only thing of any sort of glimmer of hope in either of them 
is the African-American guy who's running, you get a genuine sense that he wants to lift up his area, even though he's a horrible crime, crime guy. And Colin Farrell wants to just be done with all the shit. He doesn't like his father. He doesn't like the politics. And yet he's dabbling in it also. So nobody comes out. Nobody in this movie is like good. No, there's nobody to root for, even the... I don't no. even think the women... No, some of, of those reviews are like, oh, you're supposed to think all men are bad. No, no, no. These women are making very bad choices as yeah. well. and it's not something... I said to you, it's not something to aspire to, to become a heister. Correct. Right? Like, yeah, it's not like, ooh, I'm going to make up for... I'm going to... How does anyone think this is about women power? Because these women have nothing... Criminals. And then right. they're criminals. Right, but... The men they're with, their husbands, their men, are all the criminals making all the money. And these women depend on them 100%. One, Michelle Rodriguez has her own shop. And yet, it's completely dependent on her husband because she gave him a bunch of money. And now he's sort of rattling, he's sort of in charge of her business because he holds, you know, he's got her in debt and all that kind of stuff. So, none of these women are independent before their husbands get killed. And after their husbands get killed, all they do is depend on the life their husbands led. Right, exactly. And all these other men. I don't know who would watch this movie and think it's about female empowerment or that men are all bad. It's that crime <laughs> doesn't pay. and treating like people like shit. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody in the end in this movie does kind of win out. But it's about making bad, horrible choices that harm everyone else. It's really simple. And if you're so sensitive and delicate about your manlyhood or your womanhood that this kind of a movie prickles something in you, I mean, I don't know what to tell you, except I didn't get that vibe. No, and there's a lot of different strands running through it. Some people said it's complicated. I don't find it that complicated. <laughs> no. It wasn't complicated. Um, like I just described it. There's three things going on. Yeah, there's a the politics part. Mm -hmm. There's the women part. And there's the... What's the third part? Well, the three parts the are guys. the criminals and then each of the pol politicians are two different worlds. One right. is like in the white privileged world that they make very clear. And one is in the African-American community that are entrenched in the downtrodden side of Chicago. And they are criminals and trying to make it better. So that's two different things working against each other. And then you have these criminals who probably just Liam Neeson's crew, they just sort of keep ben keep stealing from whoever. I mean, I don't really we don't know the history of them. That's another thing I felt was a little bit lacking. Yeah. He leaves behind a notebook to tell about his next job, but we don't really know what they really are. So, so the notebook was... the notebook kind of tells you that he's this career heister who's True. very organized. <laughs> like, he writes it all down. Genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're going to be a heister, don't write it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody will find that and then see what you were doing. But see, for him, that was the purpose, was to be a dickhead and let his wife get involved if he ever died. And the original TV show, that was the whole basis of it, that they found his heist journal mm. and they decided to continue his career. But not in the same way. So um, this movie, uh, did you... Oh, another star of this movie is The City. There's some awesome oh, shots God, of yeah. the city. It's gorgeous. It really is. And I have to make an, a special note too. There is one scene in this movie, and you'll you'll know immediately that Colin Farrell and his assistant get in a car. Oh, that's great. And then the car drives from the place he's at to another place, 
and you see the whole journey in one like take. But from a camera outside the car. And you can't see through the windows. You can't see them inside the car. You can hear everything they're saying, but the car, the camera is pointing towards the front window, which is tinted. Showing you the city, basically. Yeah, and you just see what's going past at the sides in the corner of your eye. But you hear this whole conversation, which is is what he's doing. Because I said to you, I've not seen this shot, really. They usually look in the back of the car, real obvious, and you see them talking to each other. You could see that shot the other way. But this shot's like what goes on behind the closed doors, what people say. Yeah, and we don't and ever see these two characters ever getting because in the car they're kind of it's a it's colin farrell and his woman and they're he's saying how sick of all the shit he is and how he just wants out of it and she's saying you know man up yeah you are in this world but they're really heated and really more you know hateful with each other but then all we ever see of them is calm cool collected we don't ever see them visually yeah, ever. as soon as they get out of the car yep they tight straighten up again. their outfits so yeah. i think that was really interesting that Nobody sees these people ever blow their top. It's like, think of any politician, you really only <laughs> see the public side of them. Exactly. And what really goes on when that car door shuts. But that was a really good shot. And um, I was like, wow, that's really inventive. Like, you might think, oh, that's boring and long. A, sh- a whole <laughs> real-time shot of driving from one place to another. I think you'd only think that if you're not very intelligent. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed some of the shots. Some of the shots of the train coming into the city. And there was plenty of, like, oh, we want to show you Chicago. So there's a lot of... And not the Chicago, like, where you think, oh, like, oh, the glamorous downtown. No, it's more the suburbs mm-hmm. and the, you know... Places. Well, we didn't see any suburbs. You see, like, projects and projects. then, like, yeah, under I mean. the train a lot. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So I would say Chicago itself is a part, big part of this movie. Um, so, so as far as, did it satisfy you as far as a heist movie goes? Because let me say, who's a, I'm a connoisseur of heist movies. <laughs> the actual heist in this movie is nothing to get excited about, I don't think. I it's, agree. It's pretty... Uh, Bland. It, yeah, it's not heat or something like that. It's not some elaborate big heist. It's they go into a building and take some money and leave, right? It's there's not really much. There's a little complication. Yeah, but, it, but it's not a big deal. Like it's not like a big action sequence, really. Or it's not really what you come to this. Even though this is a heist movie, the heist is actually not what you're here for. I think the acting is what you're here for in this movie. The and the look of it and the vibe, I just, I think that really plays yeah. a big role. I mean, it's a movie. It's a yeah. cinematic experience. But you're it's, not going to get some 30-minute heist action sequence thing like other heist movies. It really boils down to a couple of minutes. True. And that's it. It's over. I was like, oh, that's the heist. Okay. It's not really about the heist, is it? So, but were you satisfied with the story, the conclusion? The. I mean, I think it is kind of flimsy overall I'm, like I said I'm not convinced that any of these characters the only people who convinced me that what they're doing is something they're completely capable of is um, what's his name Jeté the Jeté yeah because he said when he said his name was Jeté Colin Farrell said I love you too because that's French for love right yeah true <laughs> yeah. and um 
He, I'm convinced, he seems like a psychopathic, horrible, I mean, ice picking a guy in a wheelchair and then saying it's like the game operation. He w- And he was convincing. Like, Yeah, I was, he's, it's the guy from Get Out. Yeah, the instant the we guy. meet him, he shows us his threat. And it's not just like a flimsy threat where you're like, man, that was weak. I'm not convinced. No, I was instantly like, okay, I get it. He I'm convinced about. The top dog politicians, even his brother who's running against Colin Farrell. I'm convinced all of those gay people, characters know what they're doing everybody else and Colin um and Liam Neeson because obviously he's the planner guy all the women all the other people we meet it, they just don't have enough heft to the decisions they're making to make me convinced they can do what we're seeing them do but for some reason I didn't care <laughs> you know I just didn't care enough so uh onto the cast Viola Davis plays Veronica you you like a but not the snot that comes out. Yeah, of the nose, it's like it? every time, man. I get it. Is that your trademark to have a snotty freaking nose? It's just not. A, ugh, makes that's, me want to. That's million up. dollar snot you're talking about. I don't care. It's not necessary. We don't all blubber and have our runs no noses run when we cry. We just don't. You get a tissue unless you're like on a desert island. Then you get a leaf. Like you'd wipe it on your arm. <laughs> like just letting your nose and snot run out. It doesn't. It doesn't even make sense. What do you think of her performance, though, aside from her nose? She's good. She's very serious, but she's serious a lot. And there's a lot of quiet time with her, which I like. I would... Again, it's all very same from you... scene to scene. You know the scene, um, this uh, this movie and John Wick, they're the only movies where I care about a dog, like, fully. <laughs> The dog I in, couldn't give a shit the dog in John about Wick, that dog. Couldn't care, care less. The dog in this movie actually gets, um, <laughs> you would call it, like, animal abuse. Absolutely. But I mean, it's I not real, obviously. care about the dog. But what you see, like, I was like, oh, this bad guy comes in. He, he holds onto her dog and he's petting it and he's petting it. And then he just hangs it by its lead for a little, for just enough time for it to make a, like a horrible yelping noise. And then puts it down, as to say to her, I could do this, or I could kill you, or whatever, you know, yeah. I'm threatening you. And you don't generally see that in movies, do you? Not People really. being horrible to animals. I know he wasn't really horrible to an animal, but it was pretty convincing to look at. But I still didn't care about the dog. I didn't uh, want to get hurt. It was such a cute, but... I don't find dogs particularly cute, but that dog was like a teddy bear. And also it had absolutely no role whatsoever. No, because... it wasn't like John Wick's dog. It didn't, yeah, motivate anybody. It didn't have a trick that it does. It wasn't a decoy of any kind. Well, it did. Um, it did serve a purpose when it started scratching at a door. I'll just leave it at that. Okay, that is fair. <laughs> if that was the only purpose. But all she, yeah, but that's the all that happened was it drew her into that kitchen. When in fact, if she'd just kind of been nosy and walked in there and saw what she saw, yeah, and then looked at the door, that would have been the same. Right. So I don't feel like that dog served a purpose except to play into this current cultural, oh, I love my dog thing. No I felt really sad when people. he hung the dog by its lead. Well, I did too, but that doesn't mean I care <laughs> about the dog. I, I mean, if I don't care about these characters that much, which I'll be honest, I I wasn't that invested in the end result of any of this. I was interested in the overall story. But so, individual people, I wasn't rooting for anyone, actually, which is really funny. Good or bad. So Michelle Rodriguez plays Linda, off, fresh off her Oscar-winning The Assignment. 
She did not win an Oscar for the assignment. <laughs> God. If you want to hear hear a movie that we don't like, we reviewed a movie with her in it called If the any assignment. movie motivated me to go on and write a review on IMDb with your whiny voice, uh, that would be one of them. You know, like, you know, when I, every week when I've, we've finished with a movie and we're done with the review and everything, I go and put it on my DVD shelf, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember the week that we'd watched the assignment and we'd reviewed it and I went downstairs with it in my hand and I was like, I don't actually want to put this on my shelf. Is, is that bad? Uh, and I don't think it actually landed on my shelf. I don't think it's there. Oh, what'd you do with it? I don't know. Oh, I don't actually know what I did with it. Somewhere. It's somewhere. But who cares? Interesting. That is a bad movie. Well, we didn't like it. I don't know if it's bad. But I think it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's No, I don't know. I don't think that's fair. I think it's bad to us because it was not entertaining. Anyway, hot off that movie. She's in this movie, Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, was that the last thing she did? That's the last thing I've seen with her in. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and she plays Linda. I thought she was okay here, but I don't know if she was... Nothing special to me, I don't think. No. But I'm not a Rodriguez fan, but I, she was fine. I did like in the extras for this movie when she was talking that she was kind of she's like she say I I've got a niche and I'm in action movies and while this is an action movie of of a sort it's more of a drama mm-hmm. and even she was like I kind of enjoy doing a drama like like normally I don't have to do that in Fast and the Furious she doesn't have to do any emotional scenes right not true she does oh, yeah, a lot of does. emotional scenes yeah she does yeah but not. I don't know how these people classify these things because when a performer is very similar in everything they do, pretty much, but they think everything they do is different, it's sort of like a self, it's like a dysmorphic disorder, but for their performances. Because I watch her and I'm like, she's the same, she's the same in everything, even in the assignment. She's serious and kind of, I mean... It's a little bit more interesting at times, fractions of seconds, um, when she's herself, not in the first part. Um, But I don't find her any different. Even though this is drama, it's just the drama moments from Fast and the Furious kind of thing. That's just her vibe. Same with Viola Davis. She's serious. She cries. She's very weighty like when you see her and she starts talking or she says something or gives a look to somebody it matters like i like that presence that she has but it's not a lot different from one thing to the other yeah i know what you mean morgan freeman is somebody that comes to mind yes i don't i don't know they've got a thing about them when they walk on the screen but then it you go oh yeah well that's morgan and that's been established by maybe a couple of roles they've done and then they get put in that type of role over and over i just don't find it always i mean i like them for what they are michelle rodriguez was for me here in this movie neither good or bad she was just she was Mm. being like i can't get michelle rodriguez out of my head the character, it doesn't matter on this yeah. one. She, it's just, you know, she's not bad and she's not good. Is that a good review of her? <laughs> My favorite member of this foursome was Elizabeth Debicki. She plays Alice. Um, she was my favorite one of all four of them. Yeah, I feel like her character actually is the most, the one we know Changes. and understand the most about. Also has like a, a really interesting arc, how she... Her mother is kind of shitty with her. 
She, her mother wants, basically wants her to be a prostitute, right? Yeah. The Punisher treats her like shit. The Punisher treats her like shit. She actually does go on to be one of these escort type girls and she meets this guy who's not actually a complete asshole. He's, I don't know. I mean, there, there's, <laughs> there's some signs that we don't fully see. Exactly. But, you know, she's, and, but I like it when she goes to the auction and, you know, goes to get the guns at the gun show. I just really liked her in it. It's like she's finding out who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would give it to her for the, my favorite of this crew. And then S- Cynthia Arevo plays Belle. And I like her a, too. She's a British actress. I would have no idea she was British. She, she was, there's a very good American accent. <laughs> she's really, Just really, like you. Very good. <laughs> yeah, she's, um, I said to you, is she an athlete or something? She's tough looking. Like she's And they showed her running. I don't know if that was a CGI thing, but she was running fast. She was running like an athlete runs. Um, What do you think of her in this? I mean, she comes into the thing late on, really. I think her, the way she is, is supernatural. I'm convinced that that's who she is. (laughs) Not supernatural. Like, (laughs) natural. Very natural. Her and the blonde. You said her name. I forget her name. Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah. They were my favorites as far as, like, as soon as they came on, I was interested in how they were going to react to everything because they both did a really good job of yeah, just being in the moment instead of being Michelle Rodriguez or Viola Davis, you know? Not that they could be, but... So uh, the men here, Liam Neeson plays Harry. Liam Neeson. It's Liam Neeson <laughs> it being is, Liam There's Neeson. nothing to it at all. Like no. He just stands there with a moody face. <laughs> Says a couple of moody things. He's moody, isn't he? Like, he's the Taken guy. Yeah. He's pretty much the Taken guy in every movie. Come on. I mean, he's the same in Love Actually. I don't know why everyone... He's just the same. He he's, is, but he has shows key. some emotion. A little, a little emotion, a little bit funny, yeah. you know. Um, he's not bad in this. But there again, it's not a huge role in this. Uh, I mean, he's not in a lot of scenes, is what I'd say. John Bernthal, codenamed The Punisher... <laughs> Plays Florek. Always the same. He's another one of the husbands. I don't dislike him in The Punisher, but he's always the same. Yeah, he is the same. Look at Shane from The Walking Dead. Look at The Punisher. And look at this guy. He's just the same guy. And listen to him on Howard Stern. He's yeah. just himself. I don't think he's this guy, but I mean, <laughs> his affectations, the way he moves his head constantly. He just, he just plays himself. Right? He rattles his shoulders all the time in this like super tough guy thing. And I, while I don't mind watching him, I like him in The Punisher because it's exactly it's that just guy. Right, yeah. yeah. It's, in fact, it's probably the best casting of his life. I think The Punisher is where, I think that is his role. I think they they picked exactly the right person for the Punisher. Um, he's not even in this movie for five minutes, is he? No, but you're, it's very well established that he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Colin Farrell, who is often hit and miss for me. Sometimes I, I'm like, what the hell is he doing in this? Like, like, what the hell is he playing? And sometimes I'm like, oh, I really like him in this. And every time I think of Colin Farrell, I think of that movie where he was on a telephone all the time. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> Do you remember? He was running about, phone he was booth. picking a telephone up. Phone booth. Don't know why I always think of that. He wasn't I don't picking up anything. He had good. to stay in the phone booth. Yeah. Was it good? I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> was it, why is it sticking in my good? head? Every time I think of him, that's what I think of. Because it's, it's just his him in the phone booth, basically, I think. Yeah, I mean, he had to go to different phone booths, not just the same one. 
It was like around the city. Was it? I think so, yeah. I don't know about that. It would have been pretty boring him just stood in the phone booth. <laughs> That's what I think it was. <laughs> this movie was really boring. He stood in a phone booth for three hours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Publicist Stuart Shepard finds himself trapped in a phone booth, pinned down by an extortionist striper, sniper's rifle, unable to leave or get help from surrounding bystanders. How was that interesting, though? Stuart negotiates with the caller, blah, blah, blah. And it leads to jaw-dropping whatever it says. I don't know. That movie sticks in my mind, <laughs> so I must have liked it. <laughs> I think it's just because it, the camera was almost always right on his face. And I always do think of him as Bullseye in Daredevil as well. Well, oh, that was not good, though. No, but I do think of that. I mean, that, his role. But in this, he was, I thought he was superb in this. I did, too. That one scene, again, yeah. it was like, oh, God, I felt it. I felt the, the son saying to the father, I'm over your shit. I don't need you. You've not been a good force in this world. He didn't say those words, but it was like saying to the father, you have screwed up everything, and I can't wait till you're dead. And the and what's his name? Robert Duvall. Went like, ugh. I have to say, like, he like, really, really sunk into his brain, like, as a person. He was like, oh. Yeah. It's just that, yeah, that one scene of Robert Duvall and him, all of a sudden, everything stepped up and not. It, like, the a ratchet went. Wink, I agree. Wink, the wink. quality of that moment yeah. made, you know, made a lot of difference in that movie. And Robert Duvall plays Tom Mulligan, the dad. Um, I think he's awesome. He's one of, he's got to be one of my favorite actors. What was that movie? He we plays watched? assholes really well. He does, yeah. I love <laughs> I love him Open Range. That was a Yeah. Fantastic. I I I love Robert Duvall. No you doubt. Love him? Yeah, I think he's one of the greats. I really do. I think and I still I like I've watched lots of interviews with him and I love his like um attitude towards acting. He's like he's actually kind of serious about acting, about feeling things and that's what he said. He actually yeah. felt, as the character, that moment rocked that character's core yeah. or whatever he said. Like, he felt, and you could tell it, like, oh. <laughs> I mean, he actually made, like, a sound, like, guttural, primal. Yeah, he's great. He's, and in this, I mean, he's not in it enough for me. I want him in it more. And Carrie Coon, one of my favorite female actors, she's uh, from Fargo, uh, which she was amazing in. She's also from The Leftovers. If you've not seen The Leftovers, go and watch it now. Um, she plays Amanda. She's not in this enough either. I was like, oh, there she is. Oh, she's gone. What else was she in? The Leftovers is the thing we yeah, tend to love her from. Wasn't there something else? Fargo, The Leftovers. That's all I know her from. Mm -hmm. Oh, she was actually in um, Avengers. She was like, that, mm. not Avengers. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, maybe. She was like one of the bad guys, but you couldn't really tell it was her because she True. had a lot of makeup on. But, she wasn't um, in True Detective, any of them? No. No, no, no. Okay. But the the leftovers is where if you want to see her in a you know, going all out, watch the leftovers. It's good. First right. season's best, but I just love the leftovers, all of it. I know you do. It was awesome. <laughs> Such a it's like a unique TV show, like Twin Peaks. It like started some, out unique, but then it kind of went Samey, samey. I thought it got really... The third season was where it got really weird and unique. That's a whole other... When you go inside of his mind and everything. Yeah, that part I didn't... I was like, that okay, was my favorite. we're getting a little indulgent here. That was where I started going, oh my God. I know. This is good. I mean, I can't help it if you're wrong about stuff. That's just the way it works. <laughs> International Assassin, I believe the episode, was where I was like, whoa. 
this is more than I thought it was. <laughs> so um, this is directed by Steve McQueen. No, not that Steve McQueen that you're thinking of. Because I, I believe would think he died. not. Yeah. He passed on. Uh, that the other Steve McQueen, the guy responsible for the movie Shame with uh, Michael Fassbender and his little friend. Ooh, that's a dark one. I mean, yeah. that's seriously dark shit. Or his big friend. And 12 Years a Slave, he also did. He also did a movie called Hunger, which looked like a horror movie. Have you seen that? I don't know. Hunger. I've watched Steve a lot McQueen. of horror movies. Yeah, and it, from the cover, it looked like a horror movie. It might not be, but it, that was one of his early movies. Um, Shame is a really interesting movie, I would say. Oh, yeah. It makes you feel kind of, ugh. Yeah. It makes you feel very, ugh. Mm. 12 Years a Slave I didn't see. Shame on me. Get it? Why? Because it was a... Oh, shame. I yeah, get it. Shame, shame. I get it. Um, you didn't see 12 Years a Slave, I'm guessing. No, I sometimes when pe- movies are so... Oscar nominated that yeah, year. Yeah, and when there's such a big deal, I mean, unless we get it to see it, I'm not motivated just because everybody else is really into it. And so sometimes it takes several years. You know, I still haven't seen Clockwork Orange. You haven't seen Schindler's List. I've not seen Schindler's, Schindler's List. Well, I Liam understand. Neeson is somebody different in that one. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> He's That's not the taking guy. my understanding of that, maybe, yes. Yeah. And I, just because I don't see it doesn't mean I don't think it would be quality. It's just, I get it. It's good. I get the point. You like, told me everything about the movie world. I don't probably need to see it. I do like Steve McQueen's directing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... You could say of this movie, there's a lot of everything thrown in. We did say that absolutely. To, our, to each other earlier. Political like, messages, absolutely. Yeah, you know, social, political. Yeah, and it se- sometimes it seems like, oh, it's all. Is this this plate is going to be filled with all of the things, the police shooting, the you know all the different things that you can think of, corrupt politician, uh, using racial economic, absolutely. Yeah, it's all in there in this movie, and it can feel a little bit ham-fisted, like you're trying to jam all of it in. Agree. Um, that was the only kind of complaint I had about the movie. Because it was like, oh, it's, li- it's a little bit... You know, like, sometimes I say that about Spike Lee, don't I? Sometimes it feels yep. like he's trying to get every agenda in. Like, just squeeze it all in. Ooh, and it's jam-packed. This felt like that. But for some reason, you like this one. Yeah, because I guess it's a little less... In your face, but there again, it, it's totally in your face. It is in your face. But even, again, even I don't feel like if you're, yeah, there's some of that too. Yeah. I don't feel like if you're a man, your interpretation, an interpretation that it's about man hating is appropriate. Or if you're a woman, that your interpretation should be that it's about woman power. No, I don't think anybody freedom. comes across as good. No, exactly. But That's I don't all. think, I don't, I think that might have been part of their intention. And I don't feel like it came off right. So um, on this Blu-ray, you get some extras. They're actually decent. And we just play, press the watch all thing and watch all of it. So it comes off as a long documentary, really, doesn't it? Like an hour long. Mm-hmm. And it's it covers everything, really. And there's lots of on-set stuff and lots of interviews with everybody. And it's not that press kit kind of thing where you're like, oh, that's just a trailer with people talking. It's actually a proper, you know... If you're in, if you're interested in how the movie was made, it's a decent look at it. There is no commentary, unfortunately, but there is a still gallery because we all love still galleries, don't we? <laughs> That's so like 1990s. It really is. Like when DVD first came out, and they were like, "Hey, we can put still galleries on these now." Like, how cool is that? 
it was cool for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. And like now it's like, I don't need a still gallery. I can just pause any frame of this movie and look at it. Plus, like, why would you? you know, I mean, if I want to, I can press pause and see a full 1080p perfect version of every frame. Like, I don't need photos of but, the film. Well, or, well, I guess some of the photos are uh, behind-the-scenes photos, but still, I can watch the documentary and see all that, too. So, um, conclusion, I really liked Widows. I think it's strong. I think it's well-told. Um, I'm, for me, personally, the very the ending, I, I don't think it was as satisfying as... You know, from the heist onwards. Agree. It doesn't really... What it promises, the payoff is not quite as good as what it promised. In fact, the bad guy, the guy from Get Out, that guy, they really build him up as a great bad guy, don't they? A really Mm -hmm. bad guy. Uh, I I especially liked... You know when you don't like scenes where the camera spins around? There's a scene in this movie where the camera spins around. The wrapping scene, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I actually liked it. I thought this camera spinning around made that scene feel even more like effed up. In that one scene, yes. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the spinning. No, but that I'm one, not. It works. And, yeah. and I was like, oh, he's doing the spinning around. Then I'm like, no, these guys are rapping and some, this thing's about to happen. I actually felt like it was valid in that. So, um, yeah, I actually thought it was high quality. There's a lot of good acting. Um, I recommend it. What about you? I don't know if I'd recommend it. Then it's a hard crowd, I think. Um, if you're just like hanging out on a Friday night and you want to watch a crime slash heist drama, give it a try. I don't have any particular thing that would make me say, "Oh, these people need to see it," or "Oh, these people will hate it." So, kind of neutral in that department. And I'll give you some of the IMDb reviews and, and this voice that I will that I will read the reviews. Don't be offended if this sounds like no. you. This voice does not replicate any living person or intended to replicate any living person or dead person. What it represents in my mind is the voice of the person writing the the review. Why do you why did you create this voice? It's just in my head when I read the reviews, always was like when I read these bad reviews on IMDb every week, that's the voice that I'm reading. It you in. perceive them as this person. Yeah. Oh so the first <laughs> review on IMDb that I come to here is one out of 10. I want my money back. And the review is, this movie was awful. It was a bunch of scenes and backstories and it had nothing to do with anything. That's the review. Again, I'm trying to move away from the microphone. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to move back from the microphone. Because as I, I I'm, now I have a vision of this person. Yeah, well, you know that that person's out there. <laughs> then there's this person. One out of ten. Awful movie. <laughs> I hated all of it. The movie didn't make any sense. There was no story. The last 20 minutes were okay, I guess. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? What? <laughs> when you go to... <laughs> okay, everybody. <laughs> it's the 21st century, and we all love sharing information. We're recording a podcast right now that you're listening to. Like our in- our perception or our impressions and opinions of a movie and some other things, right? So that's right. <laughs> I understand we're part of this culture. However... I said, it's like us having a podcast where we go and say, that sucked. 
goodbye, everybody. See yeah. you next week. Like, it doesn't make any sense to make the effort to pick up your phone or go to your computer or pick up your laptop or your tablet, log on to IMDb, find the movie, <laughs> click on the thing to write a review, and type that out. This is a good one. What is the objective? Uh, four out of ten. <laughs> four. Well, that's pretty generous. <laughs> and it says, and the, the title, poor. <laughs> and the, the, the text, poor story, so lake in details, a waste of time. <laughs> so lake. <laughs> lake. So lake. In so details. they can't even edit themselves. How about? What does that even mean? I, don't I mean, we're going to assume that they meant uh, so lacking in lacking, detail. Yes. Yeah. How? Okay. So, what's the solution to that? If we say that some of these characters are two dimensional, and that to give them a fuller thing is to like make the person more natural, which is what I think when those two women are just so in it, like the other women are being what they always are. So let's loosen that up. Let's let go of that. Let go of that serious snot nose Viola Davis, right? And just be this person who we don't really know because she's been Viola Davis throughout the whole movie, right? Right. That's a whole, to me, that's a whole perception. I can't tell them how to do their job, but I'm telling you why it didn't, Speak to me. I'll leave when you, you just say, is I'll leave you with this one. Three out of ten. <laughs> this is my final one. One of the worst films I've ever watched. It's like old Jackie Chan film. <laughs> that was my favorite of all that's, of them. That's it. <laughs> okay, let's examine this. <laughs> let's take this sentence by sentence. Two sentences. It's <laughs> the first sentence is fair. And then you explain why and the reason why. Also, this is like a Jackie Chan film. It's like old Jackie Chan film. I know, but why? Why? I what are you I, talking about? Maybe Jackie Chan made a film of a widow's? I don't know. It doesn't. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> maybe they clicked on the wrong movie. Yeah, so maybe, um, maybe each week I will read you the funniest IMDb um, reviews. I think my advice this week should be, if you're going to write reviews online... Make sure they're funny so I can Go back... Read to your fifth grade writing teacher, English teacher, or whatever country and language you speak, the person who is teaching you how to put together sentences and paragraphs and thoughts and ideas, stories, essays, um, papers that you had to write, you know, essay questions you had to answer where there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Think about the movie, why you don't like it, what you don't like about it, and how could it improve, or why do you think that? Because other people will identify with it more than... <laughs> it's like a Jackie Chan movie. Because what's wrong with Jackie Chan movies? That's yeah, my, that's I, my I other no question. Idea. I like Jackie Chan films. I've got one more. It's a good oh, one. one more. That wasn't the final one. Boring. No surprises. I just like how the camera focuses on the actors. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, constructive criticism. <laughs> that's a constructive. I like I mean, that's it. A positive. I love it when the camera's focused as well. It's great. <laughs> and on the characters, it's very <laughs> helpful. I mean, at least they threw in something they liked. Yep, they liked. It's like an insult and um, compliment. It's a one-two punch, isn't it? You're supposed to do with people like knock them down, lift them up. So I'm not IMD, sure if that succeeds, but the IMDb reviews are not our opinion at all. 
know. I mean, I'm sure there's one in but there. They but they are always very fun to read every week, I'm sure. Uh, I would never read or listen to any review of I, any kind. <laughs> I just read them every week because there's always a movie, there's always a review that's like that. It's like an old Jackie Chan film. It's like, what? I don't even, I can't even, I can't get on your level as a human being. I don't know what you're saying. Did you even watch this film or are you talking about another film? Yes, yeah, what I'm saying. Have a, have, <laughs> take the time to write like five sentences that address well, you, that you do or don't like the movie. You're a, couple, a couple of things that you do or don't like about the movie and why. Like, well, I like this movie. I don't like the way whatever because this. Well, they're actually doing what you're saying. They're right in five sentences, but just five random sentences. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, all right. So thanks to That Fox. being said, if you go read my reviews on com, which we write one about all these movies, or I do, um... I'm totally open to any criticism whatsoever. I'm not precious about it. Some days I'm like, oh, I don't want to write this all down. And other days I'm like, ooh, ooh, I have a funny thing or a weird way to talk about this movie or it really got to me. So so my reviews are not perfect. I am not an English slash literature slash writing teacher person. So I'm not throwing any stones in that department. Don't read my reviews and then come back at us and say, well, you're an idiot because you wrote this. I mean, you can if you want, but... They're more than two sentences. I can guarantee True. you that. All right. So um, next week, we're going to be reviewing the Oscar-nominated for Best Picture, Bohemian Rhapsody. We'll look at that next week. Uh, movie recommendations. I am going with movies which remind me of Widows. Or uh, there's some connection to Widows. First one's Gone Baby Gone. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Mm-hmm. Yep. The city's kind of the star. There's a thing going on in the city. It's, you know, just mm-hmm. reminding me of this movie. And my other one is Gone Girl, which is Gillian, Gillian Flynn's. David Fincher made made her book into a movie. Mm. And it's just twisted and messed up. I really liked it. Yeah, it is. And yours are? Mine are... I don't know why, but I thought of The Fifth Element. It has nothing to do with anything in this movie, except I like the female character. I really like Lilo Dallas. Lilo Dallas Multipass. Lilo Dallas Multipass. I like, I don't know why it came to my mind, and I'm like, oh, I need to watch that movie. So, Fifth Element. And then I did think of, then from that, I was like, why did I think of that? I like movies with an interesting female person, and then I was kind of finding it hard to think of them, other than Atomic Blonde, which I've already Recommended a few times, you know, Wizard of Oz has a female central character, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Sucker Punch has a bunch Sucker of females. Sucker Punch has, I mean, that wasn't one of my recommended kind of movies, but all what came to my mind then was Frida, because it's about an artist who was like a Mexican artist who, Frida Kahlo, who I'm an art person, so I kind of dig artists, and it was really good, it was really well done, and it told a story of a rebellious person or a person who's just living her life. And I found it, it was really high quality. Was it, who was it, Selma Hayek? Yeah, Selma. Yeah, it was really good. All right, so um, Ace Gully stuff uh, this week. I mean, it was really good to me. I shouldn't say that a movie can't be bad. Uh, so to me, it was good. This week, um, on Monday, I woke up and I look on YouTube and there's a load of reviews for this game that I've never heard of. It's called Apex Legends. I'm like, how has a game slipped past me? What is this? Why is everybody reviewing it? And then... I'm so important. How could I not know this? I watched the first review and, I, and it was like, the game is out now. So I'm like, 
who made this game that's out now that everybody's talking about? Oh, it's Electronic Arts, our old friend's EA. So I go over to EA's Origin client, and I download it. And um, to my surprise, it is a new game set in the Titanfall universe. I'm a big fan of Titanfall, like both of the games. And uh, it's a Battle Royale game, which I dislike. I've mentioned many times that I, I just can't get... I like to shoot... I like shooting games, but I like to shoot the guns a lot. I don't like to like wander around looking for somebody to shoot for five minutes and then maybe trade in like two or three shots and then the game's over. And that's kind of how Battle Royale games go for me. But this one, Apex Legends, is what they've done differently is you're in squads of three. You can't play on your own. You have to be in a squad with... It matches you up with two random people. Um, you drop down into this island and then you've got to be the last people standing, the last team standing in this case, not just an individual. And there's 60 people in, the, in this one, not 100. And it's, it looks like Titanfall. It's obviously the same universe. They're new characters. There are no big titans to ride. You're just people. So you get dropped down there. You scavenge around for decent weapons, ammo, armor. You get yourself tooled up. And then there's a ring. At the beginning, the whole island's the ring. You can be within the ring. And the ring starts to shrink. And as it starts to shrink, you have to be in the ring or die. Like it will kill you. So what it does is it funnels all the teams closer and closer to the middle of the island. And at the end, there might be two or three teams left and you're funneled into this very small space and the last person standing wins. It, and this one, where it's a lot more fun than all the other Battle Royale games I've played, is it's a lot faster. The way you move around is very fast. You sprint at top speed. You can slide really long distances, like you're almost like you're on a snowboard, but you're not. You just when you're going down a hill, you press your slide button and you just slide continuously down the hill very, very fast. So you can move very fast, you can jump and you can climb, you can mantle onto top of buildings. You've got really cool weapons. Nothing's like really outlandish. There's like a sniper rifle, a shotgun, a SMG, and an assault rifle. There's different variations of them. And then on top of that, the characters that you choose at the beginning, they've all got their own specialty. So it's like Overwatch in that way. They've, there's heroes. And each hero does a different thing. The, the hero that I choose is a um, medical lady, and she can heal the team, whereas the others can't heal at all. Like So you become the, in charge of keeping the team healed if they get shot. So... Each person has a different thing. Like there's a tracker guy who can see enemies' footprints, like in the in the floor, he sees them, so he's he's good at like detecting people. There's a guy who's like puts up this massive shield around you, so if you get ambushed, you can put the shield up. Everybody's got this cool ability. So it and you can't all be the same character, so it's always three different characters in your team. And you kind of play off the strengths and weaknesses. You know, I always try and heal everybody as soon as I can. Um, and I have actually played a few matches this week where I've come in number one. And I don't generally get number one on Battle Royale games. I'm usually about, you know, mid, like the 50th person left. But I bet there's been three games this week where I've actually been in the top three. So um, it's much more fun. I don't know what it is. It's the whole. Oh, did I, I didn't mention that it was free, did I? You did not. That's like your favorite part. 
And my favourite part is it's actually 100% free. You can go now on your PS4, your Xbox, or the PC, go to Origin or the stores for the consoles, download it, Apex Legends it's called. It's absolutely free. It's really polished. It's a proper AAA game like you would actually spend $60 on. It's very, very polished. More polished. Call of Duty has a Battle Royale mode, and I think this is more polished than that, and Call of Duty charges $60 for theirs, so... Um, that's the best part. I don't understand. I've said to you, EA putting out a free game. Now, there is ways to spend money on this game. You can go in the store inside the game, and you can buy skins and weapon skins, but everything's cosmetic. It's just to make your character look different to others. Um... But also, these things are not exclusively bought by money. You actually earn in-game currency for winning. And you can actually spend the in-game currency on the same items. So they're not forcing you to buy anything. It'll just take you longer to get something if you don't buy it. And nothing makes you better at the game. Because everybody gets the same guns. It's just cool skins for the guns. So I'm, I'm digging that. That's not a thing EA does usually. EA does the thing where... If you spend $50, you'll be better than everybody else because your bullets will come out twice as fast. Right. That sucks because the people who do spend $50 end up being the greatest at the game and the people who don't want to spend $50 have no chance. Oh, can't. There's not just a matter of wanting to, yeah. Right. Because some people would say like, oh, I need to buy food for my children or pay for this stupid game. So so that stuff... (laughs) No offense to your game. That stuff always irritated me, like the pay... Pay to win, as they call it. This doesn't have any of that. It's just if you want your character to have a cool, like I'm, tr- I'm trying to get the silver jacket for my character. She looks like a like a punk rocker with a silver jacket on. Well, I'm just winning games to get enough credits to buy the jacket. But you know, you get every, also after every you, there's a leveling up system like XP. Every match you get XP. Every level, you get a crate with three items in it. Those are three items that you would buy, but they just give you three items. So if you're kind of good at the game, you can level up a lot and get free items like every hour. Probably get one an hour if you play enough. So it's totally like un-EA, the whole thing. It's really fun. I want to play it right now. That's that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, it's really fast-moving. Uh Funnily enough, it teams you up with random people, but they've got a really cool thing in there. If you don't want to speak on the headset, which I don't, I never want to speak to these random people. They're usually so annoying, I can't deal with them. <laughs> so I don't want to speak to them, and usually that's a, in other Battle Royale games, if you're not speaking to anybody, you're at a disadvantage because you can't coordinate anything. In this game, they've realized, I think, that you might not want to speak to internet randoms, and... You can press a button on the controller to do... It It does multiple things. It can say, like, hey, let's go over there. Or let's stay here. It's time to heal. Or, like, hey, I've just found a cool gun. Do you want it? Or I'm dropping some guns for you. You can take these. I don't need them. There's a lot of... You can communicate with people without speaking to them, which is really cool. Because normally you can't do that. And if you're not on the mic, you're usually at a big disadvantage. So you're not here. So it's called Apex Legends. It's literally free. You can go on Origin if you're on the PC. You can go on the Xbox Store. You can go on the PS4 Store. 
They're actually making it cross-play as well, so you can play with people on the PC and the console all crossed together, like instead of it all just being... So they're counting on you wanting to buy things, but those things are not going to help you in the game. No, they just make you look different. And if you don't care about that, never buy anything, because eventually you'll unlock all that stuff anyway just from winning. But I said to you, with this kind of model, for me, I like it, I've played it, I've probably played 10, 15 hours this week of it. I will continue to play it, and it'll come to a point where I'm like, I just want to support the game. I'll buy $10 worth of whatever the credits are. And I think that's a better way of going about it. Like, hey, it's a good idea. People get your thing for free, they start playing it, they love it, eventually they go, hey, we'll just, I'll just support this. <laughs> I think it's similar to like YouTubers and stuff. You watch like a YouTuber, you get... You get to like them a lot, and then they say, do you want to buy a t-shirt or whatever? You buy it, right? Because you think, oh, I'll give them a support. I mean, I don't, but I have. Well, you well, bought that's some seeds. I did. You are correct. I th- I'd rather do that, though, than be, like, just... Forced to. Nickled and dimed in some way. Yeah. Like, when, I, when I'm ready, I'll support it, if I love it. And if I don't, I'll just bugger off. And yeah, because I've it. always said it's like... Like, you walk into Walmart, and you decide you don't want anything, but at the door, they say, oh, 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 you... you we let you come in here for free, but you actually have to pay us to come into Walmart. Right. I mean, we're just sitting here for you to walk into. You know, yeah. we're going to force you to buy something. So what I heard on the grapevine here, though, is while this game is published by Electronic Arts, the developers, Respawn Entertainment, they made Titanfall. EA didn't have anything to do with the model, the business, the making of the game. They just funded the game, and published the game on their platform. So the reason it feels very un-EA in terms of business is because they didn't control the business. So EA, my message to you is, just do that again with other <laughs> things. Even if you're going to charge $60, keep your greedy, loot boxy hands out of the thing, and you won't ruin your <laughs> games and people will like them. You know, because this and you'll is, still make money. You just might not make a bazillion dollars. No, but you'll make what you know based on how much the game cost. You'll easily make the money back. And the thing is, this game being free, also they kept it a secret. Nobody knew it was coming out. They showed it on Monday and then released it the hour an hour later. Um, has had, I think it was, uh, eleven million downloads in the first seventy two hours, <laughs> which is way more than any game would get. Even like a Red Dead Redemption, you know, that wouldn't have 11 million sales in 72 hours. True. So, you know, you offer something good, word of mouth gets around, and it has, people are loving it. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's really cool. Do that again, EA. Apex Legends, if you're on the PC and you want to join me in a game, just find me on Origin. I'm called A Scully. I will join your little clan thing, or whatever you call it. So, uh, Sid Tart, what's for dinner? Leftovers. And what did we have last night? I couldn't. I can't really describe what we had. It was. Is <laughs> that like good or bad? <laughs> no, it was really good. It had all kinds of stuff in it, though. It was. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it either. We saw Nigella Lawson, which is the British cooking lady. Um, the goddess. Yeah, we don't call her that because she doesn't like it. <laughs> um, so don't don't mock her. She doesn't or make you know. She doesn't like it, so we won't do that. Um, she made on the Australian MasterChef, which we watch, 
a thing that was pita chips that she had made herself with ground up hamburger cooked, which we don't eat, but we I, I replaced that with uh, corn uh, veggie protein, what looks like ground meat, which is really good, with onions and all kinds of seasonings like cumin, coriander, blah, 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 onions, garlic, and then I also made some barley with vegetables and onions and garlic inside of it, and then made this sauce out of tahini and coconut yogurt, which was really good, and then some pomegranate sauce. I know it all sounds kind of fancy, but I mean, you can just go to any store and get pomegranate juice, boiled it down, poured it on top. What did you think of it? It was delicious. It was really good, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Really good. Yeah, everything about it was good. So we're going to have the leftover of that in some form. All right. Don't know yet what. And what is your advice before we go? My advice isn't advice. It's just a question. (laughs) Spawned by the world. And don't take this personally, but you probably will. But like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Are you talking to me? Anybody. Oh. Like, what's wrong with us that as a group, as a human group, because we're all we're all in this together. Let's be honest. None of us are making out of this, getting out of this alive. Um, like, what's wrong with us? Why are we just fucking stupid? We don't get it. We faction off. We group off. We clan up with each other. We group up with each other. We judge people on how they look. With out of their things out of their control. We we have this territorial weirdness. I mean. And it all turns vitriolic and hateful and, like, separation. Is that in in us, like, just as animals? Because I believe that's what we are. If I just don't get it. Like, what's wrong with us? I shouldn't say what's wrong with you. Because I'm one of everybody. No, I don't always like it. But, I mean, what's wrong with us? Who is she? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, that's a reference to an old UK Big Brother show. Where this one character lady, or she wasn't a character, she was just a person on it. Um, someone else came in the house and she was like, who is she? And she got all animated in the diary room and it was really cute. And so we say that now whenever, <laughs> who is she? So that's, uh, that's my only, I have no advice on this because I don't know how to fix what's wrong with us all. But you know, like, if you think about it, just boil it down. All humans. That's, that's the answer. Boil us all down. <laughs> all humans are... <laughs> And someone could argue the, the number of days, but let's say 30 days. If every human stopped eating food and drinking water, we'd just all be dead. All of us. Every single one of us. You might live a few days past that just because you're special and super normal or something different in your genetic makeup. I don't know. But you're still going to die because you haven't eaten water or eaten food and drank any water. That means you're just like me. And if in the, in that 30 days someone gave me a piece of bread and a glass of water and you were sitting next to me, I would share it with you. Now, I wouldn't ask you what your religion is or what your political thoughts are or how many children you have or your opinion of a movie or your, what kind of music you listen to. I would see that it's day 20. We're both dying. We both need bread and water. I will not. I would argue that almost anyone, even if you think you wouldn't do that, You would, because that's what we are. We're all just surviving. And when you get an idea in a head, and then you spread that idea with other people who for some reason go on to believe it, that's harmful and damaging and takes away someone else's right 
to just live their life and find food and find shelter and have whatever luxuries and whatever culture and society you're in, if that's what you want, without harming everyone. It, it, none of that makes sense to me. The, oh, I've got an idea in my head now. I need to kill all the people who don't agree with me. Or I need to change all the people who don't agree with me. If it's an idea, you can all live perfectly happy together. If it's an action you're going to take to hurt someone else, that's where the, that's what I'm saying. What's wrong with us? Why do we go that direction? Is it primal? You know, is it nature? Because we all understand now how to survive. We all know how to use resources. Yes, we overuse resources, but we can figure it out. We're not killing the planet in the next 10 years or anything. We can all figure it out together. And I'm not all kumbaya and hippy-dippy and shit. Trust me, I'm not that person. But if you just zoom out and look at us, that's all it is. We're all just this close to being dead. And if someone else has a resource that you need and they're not sharing it with you, I don't know how to solve that problem. You know what I mean? This, like if this, you're the turned, one... this started with what is wrong with you and turned out into some like feeding the world kind of. A... <laughs> well, I just, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out and how to get into the minds of people who want to cause harm. Or want to be the person who says, well, I'm keeping all the bread to myself. And I'm not saying the person who has five children to share their bread with. I get that on some level. I'm talking about the person who says, no, I'm keeping this bread for myself. Fuck everybody else. I'm surviving without you. Or at the expense of you because you're more important. Because your life is more valuable. It isn't. Like, that's, that's, that's where I feel like the problem is, and I don't know how to, you know, you can't talk to 7 billion people. I'm sure only 6 billion people listen to this podcast, so. I think the answer (laughs) is Liam Neeson. (laughs) Liam Neeson what? Just Liam Neeson, the whole answer I don't think so, because let's not read the headlines lately then. I don't think Liam (laughs) is the solution to the problem. (laughs) I wasn't actually referring to that, I was just looking at him on this, on this cover. I don't think, I don't think Liam is the solution, um. He's a man with a very special set of skills. Yes, but that's, you know, it's like things that, uh, this is why I don't get invited to a lot of parties. (laughs) True. This is my small talk. (laughs) (laughs) And that is all. All right, so uh, you can catch this podcast, acegully.com, sidtar.com, Twitter and Facebook. We're actually on TuneIn. You can uh, listen to it on your Amazon device, iTunes Music Store, Google Play Store. Or go to ascully.com, click on the word podcast. All the subscription options are there, and you can listen to it straight on the page. Just do it. (laughs) We're also on YouTube. I mean, they're already listening. Why are we telling them how? But maybe they want to... Maybe they got this from somewhere that's not... That? (laughs) They didn't subscribe. You know what I'm saying? Got it. Email feedback to me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She hates you all. I do not hate anybody, actually. Um, And we have nothing to sell, just so you know. No. We're not sponsored by anybody. We're not like we uh, we get movies, but then we tell you where they're we from. We aren't sponsored by the movie. We are not. We get we have movies we will never talk about because yeah, we won't watch it. Or it's like ugh. if we can't say any anything good, like not one thing. I don't know that we've ever done <laughs> one of those. Like where we just sit here thinking like, is there anything anything at all we can find in this movie? We don't do those. No, unless it's the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were some things. We have to, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my god. Anyway, um what a train wreck. Stay classy, everybody in this movie. Um Colin Farrell was my standout. Interesting, and I'm gonna say think for yourselves or someone will do it for you. <laughs>